mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. episode 16 and we are going to talk about some of our reflections from this week. Ruth's going to talk about hands-on equations and I'm going to talk about multiplying and dividing decimals, which I feel like we've um, talked about when you taught it, but we have some new reflections now that my class is working on it. And then we'll also talk about um, preparing for I Love Math Day and and some of the observations that we're seeing that students are, um, things that they are doing. So, um, Shall we just jump in? What do you think? I think so. I'm excited to be podcasting because yesterday on the run, I hurt my hip and was like, let's do something other than run. So we're here to hash out math. Yep. Awesome. Um, So why don't you start, Ruth, and talk about how hands-on equations is going, where you started. Okay. So as a sixth grade teacher, the objective is to introduce one-step equations. And of course, the algebra teacher wants you to show them to, you know, they have to show their work. So you get those kids who know how to do X plus two equals five, Mm -hmm. and they don't want to subtract two from both sides and show their answer. And hands-on equations lends itself beautifully to just being able to do it with your hands and not have to follow this list of algorithms. And it doesn't start with one-step equations. By the time you're done, it's six and seven and eight steps, and you're combining like terms, and you're able to use the vocabulary. Um, It's a great setup. In fact, I wish I could have had a camera to take a picture of my students' faces when I said, on Thursday, when I come back, because I was out yesterday with mm-hmm. a sub, and I said, on Thursday, when I come back, this is your warm-up. And it's the problem that hands-on equations gives you, like 2x plus x plus x plus x plus 10 equals this plus this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to expect you to solve this. And all their faces are just like, <gasps> "Yeah, what are we going to do? <laughs> I mean, it's just great to lead in with, you are going to be able to do this. And then even by the end of the first day, So I have, you know, the basic rules that I tell them about hands-on equations. Um, And the end of the first day, kids are like, Missy, I could solve that. I'm like, I know. And you get to practice tomorrow and show me Uh on Thursday. Um, In fact, I even had two kids stay after school that first day. And I was like, let's go ahead and solve this and see how you do. And they were both successful. And these are students who typically don't experience a whole lot of success the first day you learn something. But just being able to touch the ponds and the cubes and see that the pond can be a different value every time. Yeah, that's tricky. You know, that's really, really valuable. Um, For those of us who aren't math teachers, and I may be in the vast minority, um, (laughs) can you remind me quickly, I've heard hands-on equations, but what exactly it is again? So it's the idea behind, it's got, they have a scale. And I always start with, in math, the scale doesn't go up or down like it does in science. It's an equation, and it's always balanced. And so you have pawns, which really look like chess pieces, and you have cubes, which are number cubes. And you set up the equation that's provided for you, so it might have two pawns on this side and a 10 on this side. So the pawns are like the X mm-hmm. or the That's variable. exactly what it is. Okay. Um, 
and you know you then you might have two pawns and a two on this side and an eight over here and this students start by guessing and checking and then you introduce them to the rules of algebra which says that if you want to isolate the variable and then you can remove something from both sides um which there you go those are the two rules for balancing equations yeah um okay i got you i, I remember i remember now that that visual i was trying yeah, it's just, just trying to visualize what they were doing so that. And we did I talk about it, it. Um, some more in episode ten when we had Van as one of our guests because mm-hmm. we were trying to convince him to use it. I have to tell a funny story on Van is <laughs> that um, Patsy, who was um, the teacher that was in Van's room before he took the job, um, listens into our podcast, and so she listened and heard me say, "Van, I'll I'll help you work on it. I'll teach you." And then she knew that we hadn't gotten around to it, and so she called Van up and was like, "I'm." Coming Coming to school, I'm going to teach you hands-on equations, and so they met this this um, week after school. Whether you want to or not, yeah, right. exactly. It was great. It was so good to see her back, and she you could just tell how much she is was into it and was excited to share it with him. So the benefit for me is being able to differentiate. Lesson one, like I just said to you, is pictures, and it just has a picture of two pawns on one side and a ten on the other side. And then you get into lesson two and it introduces it written as 2x plus 2 equals 10. And then you get to like lesson seven or lesson six introduces the distributive property. And lesson seven introduces a different color pawn, which represents a negative x. Um, No, lesson eight eight is the negative x. So I have a student who he just is incredible. He does not like to have attention drawn to himself, but he can do higher level maths. And so I, he happened to come early that day and I just said, listen, this is what we're going to do today. I just want to show you real quick what might be new. And then I'm going to let you work on your own. And so I showed him the distributive property and I said, what do you think this would look like? And he said, well, you would just put X plus three. You would put a pawn in a three on that side of the scale twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what you would do. Yeah. And then we, I introduced him to the negative X and explained that they were opposites. And so if this was negative two, then this would be, and he said two, and we kind of went through some problems and there wasn't anything that he was like, Oh yeah, I didn't know that. It was mm-hmm. just like, he got it. And so I took the hands-on equations papers and there's 25 lessons. And typically in my class, students get to lesson seven because I don't spend a long time letting them progress through it because I have to do other things with equations. Um, And I I wasn't there today, so I don't know how far he got. But Mm -hmm. I set him up to be able to just go with it. And I won't, wouldn't even be surprised if he showed up yesterday with all of them done Wow! because he got a challenge. And I also have some students who um, are from Korea and they come in as sixth graders with the basis of a Korean education. And man, watching them, they must start with X equals two in kindergarten because hmm. they just have this, they've already learned it. It's not even like number sense or natural. It's just it's been drilled into them. And so they did the same thing. They didn't understand the pawns and the cubes (laughs) because it was pointless. Yeah. You know, like, why do I need to use these when I can do this abstractly? So 
I went ahead and gave them those two. And then even just listening in class, I paid attention to who was understanding. And some of the students, I gave them the opportunity to start on lesson three. And the directions were, if I put lesson three in front of you and you don't finish five problems in the first by the time I walk around, then I've put you too hard and I'm going to just flip it over and have you start because I don't want you to be frustrated with the right. beginning. Everyone in my class was able to work on a different level. It was, it, it's exactly what differentiation is about. And Henry Borenson, shout out to him, set it up for <laughs> students to be able to do algebra, feel successful with it. And I don't know, there's just something about when your teacher says, the essential question today is what are the rules of algebra? Like we have arrived. Yeah. We are learning algebra. Figure out algebra. So are your kids, are they using the videos to move to the next one and the next one? Well, that was what I set them up for yesterday. Again, it was the substitute. And I explained to her that there was a video for each one and I just put them in a um, list on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what, I can't remember what it's a playlist. A playlist. Yeah. So they could go to the lesson that they needed. Um, it was also perfect because the substitute could watch the lesson. Mm-hmm. It's also flu season. And I'm not even kidding when I say I had 16 kids out the day that I introduced Ugh. hands-on equations. Whoa. Yeah. So how beautiful is it? Yeah. Parents are like, what did they miss? Well, they missed this. Do these first four lessons and watch these videos that go along with it. Yeah. So that's shout out to you because you set us up for <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll put that on the, the show first notes. four le- yeah. lessons. Um, do you ever, I have one more question. Do you ever use the verbal problems that come with it? Patsy that I was telling you about is like all about the verbal problems. So that was the rule. Again, maybe we should have podcasted after I went back to school and could tell you what really happened. (laughs) Anybody who got to lesson six, right? Yesterday Mm -hmm. had to do the verbal problems before they moved to lesson seven. And Even my student who I gave the whole packet to, that was like the third page. So I want you to practice. He started on like lesson seven and I let him go through eight and then I had him do the verbal problems. Mm -hmm. So, and I left the key. That's the other thing I do is hands-on equations gives you a key and the students have to go and check their work. They have to have their answer and their check correct. And as far as managing it, I just put all the pages in page protectors and give them expo markers So they write down their answers, check it, clean it off, put it in the pile, Mm -hmm. and it's recycled for the next person. Oh, they're not even getting the actual pieces of paper to write on. No, they're inside page protectors, and they just write on them with Expo markers. Cool. And then next year, hey, it's all set up, ready to go. I don't need copies. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Hey. (laughs) Yeah. So in case somebody's like, what are you talking about verbal problems? It'll say like... Eight more than three X's is equal to, you know, five more than some some amount of X's, you know, or then then even the word problem ones where it's like this person is this old and this person is twice the age of eight more years or I don't know. I I tried it with so I only progressed through lesson seven. That's where I stop. I don't do anything with with negative numbers um, or the white pawns. And um, I gave it to my once you finished quickly and for whatever reason this year they didn't grab onto it i don't think i gave them enough like examples to start with that they just kind of floundered through it and i unfortunately didn't get very far in that i might it might be something good to come back to later um but i'm going to get very far with that this year 
So should we move into? I think what's so. Happening? So you're moving. Well, we can do. Why don't we move into what you're doing with division? Because me as a sixth grade teacher and having talked about it and then yeah. listening to you start at the very beginning yeah. is exciting. Like it's exciting to know where they start and then where they're going to go and why that, like I said in the last podcast, just that cross grade level um, collaboration mm-hmm. is so important. So I will start by saying that I tried really – we kind of have to go back to, to multiplication of decimals. I tried really hard to not just hand them the algorithm, mm-hmm. and this is the first year I've really tried that. Um, and where we landed was what they came up with based on lots of – you know, looking at patterns – when you're multiplying decimal numbers, the digits are going to be the same as if you were multiplying them by whole numbers. So that's our first step that we're going to treat them like whole numbers and multiply them. And we did talk about how you, you know, you're kind of like multiplying by 10 or multiplying by 100. I mean, we did put some meaning behind it and some kids got that. Some kids are just like, think about it like whole numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we finally landed on um, – Count the, the the number of digits after the decimal place in the problem, and then you'll have the same number of digits behind the decimal place in the answer, and which sounds a little bit different than move the decimal place over the same number of times, which is how we've taught it before, right, mm-hmm. in the past. Um, so I think my favorite part of what you talked about was – the day that a student had two different conjectures. Yeah, you okay. have to I go haven't there. told that story yet. I don't think okay, so, no. All right, so. Um, we put I we had done some work and gotten a bunch of problems on the board that were you know we were using calculators until we could figure it out um, or maybe some models anyway so we had a bunch of problems on the board and I was like we've 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 determined that the digits are going to be the same how can we what patterns do you see about where to put the decimal oh we'd already estimated that's what it was we'd already oh. practiced like round it round it what do you get oh we know it should be somewhere around 4 or it should be somewhere less than 1 or something like that and um one student maggie who is a a very um she observes very closely and she's very careful um and she almost always knows exactly what's going on, but she doesn't speak up a lot. You know, I think she wants to be really, really sure that she's right. And so, you know, there's the same people that are always raising their hand. Well, she's like, you could just see her like inch her hand up, inch, inch, <laughs> inch, 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 inch. And I'm like, I know she has it if she just has her hand up. And so we've gotten all these like random answers. And I'm like, Maggie, yes, what are you going to say? So she says, I have two ideas. And she says, one idea is that it could be that the number of whole number digits in the problem is the same as the whole number digits in the answer. And when we looked at our the examples on the board, that was true. And then she said, but it also could be the number of de- decimal digits is the same from the problem to the answer. And I had actually had a student in the first class say the whole number conjecture, right? And at first I was sitting there going, hmm, is that right? Is that right? (laughs) But pretty quickly I was able to pick an example close to what we'd worked on that I knew wasn't going to be right. Like we were looking at 70, something with 70, blah, blah, blah. And I ended up doing a 70, let's just say 70 and one-tenth times one and one-tenth. That's, or no, I think that's right. Yeah, that's it. Because that's going to have three whole Whole number number digits digits. and only two whole number digits in your product. So I knew how to break Maggie's 
conjecture number one, um, thankfully. So what I did was put up like, and, and I'll say. I knew how to crush the student who never <laughs> yeah, right, raised their hand. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so I said, we have two conjectures here and, and tried, and I love using that word. That feels like a very big word, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I explained how in, in math, if you make a conjecture and you can find one example that doesn't fit it, then it's broken forever. Like it, that's just how the rules of math work. If you can find one example that doesn't work. It's not like spelling in English, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Sometimes you just ignore the rule. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, so I popped up some other examples, and we just used a calculator to do them. And all around the room, like, Maggie 1 doesn't work. Maggie 1 doesn't work. It's wrong. Maggie 1, no. Maggie 2 works. Mag- oh, I think it's Maggie 2. It's Maggie 2. And so um, and I call, I had written those two right, on the board and the just named it. And so do you know that like two weeks later, they're still saying Maggie 2. When we use Maggie 2, <laughs> that's going to be forever the name of it. And the same thing happened in our room. Emerson um, just went through the exact same process, really. She actually had Emerson 1. You know, we didn't call it that because we didn't have 2 yet. Well, it was Maggie 1. <laughs> yeah, but in the, exactly. But then she came back the next day and she was like, I've been thinking about it and I've got another idea. Like, she really was thinking about it at home and came back with it. So then we had Emerson 2. And um, I just – it's just so fun that they made a conjecture and we, we've, you know, said it's true. And, so. and then when they get to sixth grade – Someone's going to say, oh, yeah, you just do Maggie, too. Yeah, right. And the teacher's going to be like, what, what the heck are you talking about? Uh, I have worried about that a little bit, but that's all right. Um, so then we had to move into division. And I want to stop and say two things here uh, I've, as I've been reflecting this week, two, like, big ideas. One it goes back to college for me, and that is that I have never been very good at history, like, never – remembered things and didn't get the big ideas or big timeline or whatever. And I remember sitting in um, John Don Tremont's history class. Well, say that name again? Don Tremont is his last name. Wait, John. his first name is John. His last name is Don, Don Tremont. Don Tremont with like a apostrophe and everything. <laughs> John Don Tremont. Don Tremont. So there was no PowerPoint. There was no textbook. There was just him and a water bottle and his jacket. And he'd walk in and he'd just start talking. And you just better write down every single thing that you can. And then he'd walk out. Because he was using an overhead projector. No, he it was all oh, in his head. the water bottle. Oh, drinking out of the water yeah, bottle. Yeah, yeah. I imagined the water bottle no. like cleaning the overhead he projector. Would, he would squirt the kids who didn't no. get the right answer. It was all... and. And, and I remember it was a story. Every, every, he told history through a story. And I was like on the edge of my seat at the end of every class, like, what happens? What happens? And probably everybody else around the room knew what was going to happen, you know, but I had no idea. I mean, I'm embarrassed to tell you some of the things I didn't know. Like, I was like, I can't wait to come back tomorrow. What is going to happen? <laughs> um, but I feel like that's, a little bit of what's happening in my room. I might be, I might be, you know, puffing myself up a little bit more than I should, but I feel like we've come, we're writing a story of how, what do you do with multiplication? And then how do you do with it with division? And I, and I'm leaving them hanging. Like I left them hanging the other day with three answers, which one's right. I didn't say which one's right. I'm like, this is so cool. We have three different ideas here. We have all these conjectures that other people have come up with on the board. And I have some wrong, just some flat out wrong things written on my board right now with the kid's name beside it. Like we're going to, we're going to figure this out. We're going to hold it for now and then come back to it. So, um, 
it's just it's feels so different than what I've done before and it and it feels weird to be like I don't know let's find out later um and let it hanging but I think I like it <laughs> I feel a little bit like Joan Dontremont um and then the other thing I want to say before I jump into decimal division like what we actually did is that I get asked a lot where do you get your ideas from how do you find tasks where do you look and <laughs> This is terrible. But I I work with a bunch of college students as like practicum students and one girl was like, "Yeah, I got this idea from Pinterest. I get I that's where I get all my lesson ideas." And I just was like, "Cringe, cringe, cringe." Cuz they don't know any better. That's 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 what they know mm-hmm. or teacher pay teachers, but um that's not where I go first and I feel like you get different things. So, I will say when I I sat down to figure out what, where am I going to go with decimal division. I first looked in the Van de Waal book, which I feel like should be your first go-to all the time, right? Do you have that book yet? I don't have that book. You need that book, Ruth. Yeah. You need to stop going to Pinterest and start going to John Van de Waal. I don't go to Pinterest. I go to Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) Who checks the Van de Waal book? Mathtrist. There wasn't, yeah, there wasn't a lot, but there was a little bit. So I started there. And then this is what I got from you, like searching decimal div- in google searching decimal division task you know and um unfortunately task cards come up which is not what we're looking for exactly we're looking for like a meaty prop one meaty problem that you can sink your teeth into you know um so then i learned jay's giving me a face again <laughs> a meaty problem yeah well like anyway there's a good context and it's something that they can even if they don't know an algorithm, they can still solve somehow because of the context. Because it's low floor, yeah. high ceiling. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Mark yeah. it off for today. Yeah. Um, so, but then you told me to go to Enrich, which yes. is a site, and search decimal division task. And, and I found some cool things there. Mm-hmm. But then as I was looking at them, I was like, these are for once you understand it, they were, it was a little harder than like what I found this time. Um, and I probably searched some other things, but do you know what works most of the time to find something that's right on is to go to Twitter and put in the, go to the search and put in yeah. the hashtag MitBoss, which is math te- teacher blog osphere in MTBOS, and then what you're teaching. So I searched MIPBOSS decimal division, and there's, you know, five or six people either posting ideas of what they've done up to teach it or people saying, what do you, how do you introduce decimal division? And then you have people there that are answering um, ideas that work, you know, and that led me straight to um, so I just clicked, was clicking through those and I land, I think the name, I hope I get it right. I think her name is Kristen Gray, um, KG Math Minds. We talked about this and you said we you hadn't did. heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, I, she must be a writer on the same level as my kids fifth. I would assume it's a, she's a fifth grade teacher. Um, and she had two different blog posts. She had two different blog posts linked where she talked about how she was introducing, um, decimal division. So I took what I got from her, which, um, and tweaked it a little bit. And so I ended up putting 32 divided by four on the board and getting them to, to write and talk about anything they could remember, anything that comes to mind with that, basically to like drum up some memories about division. And Mm -hmm. then, then I changed it to three and two tenths divided by four. I gave them some 
time to work on their own. And then I gave them some time to think about it with another person. And then we came to the rug and tried to convince each other what that was. And they were, some of them were modeling it. Some of them were thinking about it like eight tenths plus eight tenths plus eight tenths plus eight tenths is going to give three and two tenths. I thought that was a pretty good justification of why mm-hmm. it's eight tenths. But then some of them were saying, because of Emerson two, we have one decimal digit in the problem. So we're going to have one decimal digit in the answer. That was their only understanding was this rule that we would go back to. So obviously what was next is I needed to show them that Emerson two was not going to was not a conjecture that was going to keep working or a rule that was going to keep working for division. So you went to 32 hundredths divided by four. That was the next one, but that still worked. But they would have had to have said eight hundredths. So were they okay with putting... To them, that's two decimal digits in the in the answer. Yes. Okay. So, so that still worked. So then based on our next run. So I could like, this has been a real week of like, I feel like you're coaching me through this. It's pretty exciting. Together, we're figuring this out. Um, We ended up with a story, this new story, where kids are going, I embellished it quite a lot. I was having a Don 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 Tremont moment. (laughs) Um, And just was like, what else else can I add to this story? This is great. They were so like, tell me more. But basically the story goes, two kids were in a in a, they found a cavern. They went in the cavern and they thought no one had ever been there. And then they kept climbing and they kept climbing. And all of a sudden they found where somebody had like stashed some stuff. And so they found a pile of rubies and a, and a big block of gold. And they both wanted the gold and they argued about who's going to get the gold. And finally they're like, oh, I remember Miss Prophet's fourth grade math class. We should share it e- equally. <laughs> and so they decided... <laughs> that for john would be really impressed yeah he would but no jk um so then so then the idea was it's 125 rubies share those equally which it's an odd number and they they were automatically asking me is it going to be an odd number of rubies and can you split a ruby in half i'm like yes you got it um and then taking the same digits um, it was one and 25 hundredths of a kilogram of gold that they had to split. And so we, you and I talked about this a long time. What, what number, what problem can we get that breaks it? And this is going to break it because they're going to have to go. Their problem is in the hundredths place, mm-hmm. but because it ends in an odd digit, that five, they have to break that very last hundredth of a kilogram of gold into thousandths. Um, so I told them that they could solve the Ruby's problem however they wanted, because I, that's pretty easy for most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I told them they had to solve the gold problem with concrete, representational, and abstract. And that they could, again, I wanted them to have some silent thinking time. They hate that. They want to just like start talking. But I'm, do you do that? Do you make them work by themselves first? They, yeah. Okay. First of all, so that they know where they are going in because sometimes if there's not silent working time, I feel like my students who are scared of math don't even try because they know someone's just going to give them the answer. Mm -hmm. And when they're silent thinking time and they don't know if you're going to say pick a partner or I'm going to pick a partner. Mm -hmm. Well, if she picks someone else who's not doing any thinking during silent thinking time, Mm -hmm. You better have a plan. I better have a plan. Yeah. You know, like 
is she going to give me someone who's going to tell me the answer or is she going to give me someone who I have to tell them the right, answer? Right, right. Yeah. That's where I am too. And I'm trying to explain that to them, but I'm still getting some pushback on that. Anyway, um, and then then they were working with a partner on it. And my one of my most favorite moments was walking over to a group of girls who had obviously gone to the base 10 blocks, gotten out one and 25 hundredths, and without being prompted or anything, they had each made the right amount of pile on their on their table. Like she had six tenths and she had six tenths and she had two hundredths and she had two hundredths and she had five. It was like they they really had thought about it. Like, here's our pile and you and me are going to share it. And it, and then they knew what it was called. Like that was just so cool. But if you had given them one and sixty five one and 25 hundredths divided by two, eh, they might not have been able to to go there. But because it was a thing, you know, they could picture the actual sharing, the divided by two part. So, you know, there were, there were, it wasn't that easy all around the room. Those were two people who kind of already had a strong understanding. But um, everybody got there eventually. And so then we, um, I, I, when I read KG, I heard that blog about it. Right. She talked about how her she just sat back and was enjoying listening to the students discuss. And I'm like, that's not what it looks like in my room. Like I'm I'm running the discussion and I feel like they're talking to me. So it's an exchange, but it's not a discussion, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to try that. So that's another thing I've tried this week. I've tried a lot of new things here. Um, and I – sat back behind them outside of the circle and was recording what was happening but they have uh, we like set up some norms and I have a little ball that they're passing back and forth and whoever has the ball is the one talking I'd love to get to the point where they're just gonna talk and not have to have the formality of like passing a ball right. and you're the one talking but there's so, there are some people that even if I'm teaching will take over the conversation. And I just don't know, based on the personalities in my class, is that ever going to happen? Do you have that? Like, do you... Mm. See, I, that's one of the things that, because of our run, I want to try. Yeah. And I have six different classes that I can try it in. And just sitting here thinking about my classes, I can pick the class periods that it probably won't work because yeah. she's in that class and she raises her hand even when I say, this question is for Tracy. Tracy, what do you think? Well, here she is over there, you know, yeah. Sally raising her hand, yeah. shaking it in Tracy's face, like, in case you don't know, mm-hmm. I've got it. Yeah. Um, so oh, I don't Lord. know what, I don't know what it would look like, but I think there's a lot of merit in it. I mean, I'm just sitting here having a conversation with you and making eye contact and nodding your head and saying, yes, I agree. Those mm-hmm. kinds of things are really important life skills. Yeah. And that's what we want to teach them. Yeah. And if you can teach them along with math, then that's even better. Yeah. Who was talking, was Hannah talking about engaged listening? Yeah. Actively yeah. listening. Active, yeah. active listening. And that's one of the, like I set up some norms and that's one of my norms is actively listening. And when, and I, and I explained that by saying you have to be looking at the speaker which is why I required them all to be sitting on the floor around mm-hmm. the circle. Nobody's above because then they can't be – you can't make eye contact. And I said you have to actually be trying to figure out what the speaker's talking about, you know, not just thinking about what you're going to say next. And I made them also keep their hands down until the person's done talking. Do like, they have to resist from adding or talking or 
adding something to what the person's saying. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple times that they're like, oh, you know, I'm hearing them like just respond verbally, but they're not, they're not launching into a long conversation. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, there has been a little bit of like breaking the rules, but it's, it's appropriate. Like, oh, that, those kinds of things, you know? Um, so I think I'm going to keep going with it. I like it. Yeah. And I think it, um, limits how long it's going to take. Cause I've been setting my timer. That's what I was going to say is the fact that you said, we're going to do this for three minutes. Yeah. Like we talked about doing that on the run and you even were changing like, maybe I'll do it for one minute. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll do it for five. Yeah. I've been doing it for five. Like, when we talked about the gold problem, we I gave them five whole minutes, which is good because some kids just take a long time to get their, their idea out, you know? Um, so one more thing I want to say about that is that they are still – this might be the population of kids that I teach, but there are there are still some, like, heartburn when they don't get to talk. You know, they're still getting really frustrated about that. But they would be that that way anyway. But instead, what I'm doing, when we get to the end of that five minutes, like Hannah said yesterday, last time in episode 15, I'm doing the strategy spotlight, trying to, like, wrap it back up. And then their hands are still shooting up, like, I want to say something, I want to say something. And so I'm, I'm deciding to put those kids' names on a sticky note. And while we're working on whatever's next, I'm going around and saying, what did you want to tell me? What did you want to tell me? What did you want to tell me? Because honestly, right now, they are more interested in telling me than they are interested in telling each other. They are still looking at me and waiting for me to respond. And I'm trying really hard to make it about them and each other. And it, right. it's working some. But um, they really just want me to hear how fantastic their strategy was. There's <laughs> profit. Listen, yeah, I'm smart on I you. know, I know. Um, and there are some kids that I just don't know, are we ever going to get over that? Can they make it a – like, can we get it to be a community where they're, mm-hmm. they really – they want to talk about it with each other? You so know? I just need to say don't give up. I okay. just feel like that's yeah. so important. I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking about marriage and active listening. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like if I would really listen to what my kids and my husband are saying instead of formulating my response. Yeah. I mean, like nine times out of 10, my kids don't even want a response. They just want to tell me about their day. Yeah. And not have me say, well, you could have done this, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, about your biological kids or your kids? I am. I'm just talking about like life in general. Yeah. People want to be heard. People want to be heard and they want to know that you really did hear them, not just that you were quiet, (laughs) you know, and you can tell when you're telling a story and the person is got a response, it means that they didn't really listen. They were formulating a response before they even got to the end of it. So just keep on going because that community is really important. I think so. I, 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 you know, I have this picture in my head of what I want it to look like. But I did think if somebody walked in this room and saw this right now, they might be like, this looks different than than most math classes. You know, I think I think we've made some good progress. I think I have, you know, goals of where I want it to go. Um, so I think where we're headed next is I Love Math Day, which ooh, I don't, we got to talk about what I'm going to do today. <laughs> Oh, oh no. Wait, because I because every day this week we've been like <laughs> building the next step. Can we can we go back? Okay, let's go back. Okay. Um let me just make sure. So yesterday on the run, we decided that we might have landed at the need for the the 
oh, long yeah. division algorithm, yes. right? Like, so yesterday we we kind of concluded with Emerson two doesn't work with division and only multiplication or Maggie two, whichever one. So is that where I'm launching next? We're just going into this is we have a need for it and show my long division video, or do you think I should like pick another problem? Or should I go back to the one in 65? Like how, what's that going to look like the so beginning? So I think that because you know that what one in 25 hundredths divided by two is, then you ask them to show that abstractly on their paper. Like ask them to show that, how you would solve this problem without the blocks. And are they going to go to subtractive division, which is where... You kind of left them with whole numbers. Okay, well, let's think through that. Yes, I think so. This is, we're doing um, one and 25 hundredths. I'll think about how they would solve it. Divided by two, they would give everybody 50 cents. Okay. That, you know, I'm, I'm, a lot of them yesterday were thinking about like money, even though we were working on kilograms. Right. And so then that takes out a dollar from the 125. So they have 25 cents left. Then they'll probably give everybody 10 cents. So that takes out 20 cents. So they have five cents left. Then they would, t- they gave everybody two cents, which already they are struggling to write down those amounts. You know, like I know I want 50 cents, but they get confused about how to write that. I don't know. I want two cents, but they write it as two tenths. Um, so then I've taken away four cents and I have one cent left. And this is where I'm like, just throw that penny away. <laughs> right. Exactly. But that's why we picked gold in the story because, um, you're not going to throw away. You don't want it to go to waste. You want yeah. every single little cent you can get out of it. So then they'd write, they'd probably write 0.5. They'd probably write 0.5 because they're looking at this like one. one right. Or they're going to write that as one half because some of them know that it's a half. You yeah. know, like they just know what they're going to do. We're going to cut that in half. And so we write a half. But now you've set them up to be like, Look at how hard this is. Look at how hard this is. And you already know what the answer is. So now let's, and I think that there's merit in just saying the person who came up with the long division algorithm, the way to do it, had a solid understanding of division. And Miss Prophet has taken you along this path to give you a solid understanding of division. And now it's time for you to do what mathematicians do. Mm Mm-hmm. So are you going to let one of them come up with a conjecture for how long division works? No, I think I think we're just going to go to it. Like yeah. I think that we've gotten far enough, and and this is what we like. I've been worried about this for weeks. That if since I haven't taught them the long division algorithm, what are we going to do with decimals? I think we just need to go into it. I just thought maybe instead of calling long division, you call like Sally three. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They did say, "Can we have an Emerson three? Yeah. Um, so do I show them with this problem first? Mm-hmm. Okay. And am I saying, am I saying the bring the decimals straight up? Or am I saying? Well, I I think that you're saying if you have one and twenty five hundredths kilograms of gold, we know that neither one of you are going to get a whole kilogram. So we're going to put a zero in the ones place. Okay. And now that one kilogram, we're going to trade for ten tenths. Of a kilogram, and we already have two tenths, so we have 12 tenths of your kilogram. 
12 tenths of a kilogram, which is hard to to say. But if you are showing it, maybe you pull that. Maybe you use your base 10 blocks and you do you have the magnet ones where you can put them on the board. And so, I mean, that whole like. How many times does two go into one? Zero. Multiply, subtract, bring down. Uh All of that says you're not going to get a hole. So Uh we're going to trade that hole for 10 tenths, which means it's on another line. And when you bring down the two, you now have 12 tenths. Okay. So when I'm first teaching it, do you think I should... You know how you can choose to like just put the zero there and then move over? Do you think I should multiply, subtract, bring down? I think so, because you're telling the steps of long division. And your students who know who are going to be able to skip that are going to skip it. But, Tracy, I have students in sixth grade who, I I mean, we've gone here. Like, I've taught decimal division, Mm -hmm. and they came to me knowing long division. Right. And they still put the zero there. It's like... That's their yeah, you know, and so you have to at least show them. um, I feel like if you're going to solidify their understanding, instead of does two go into one? No, so does two go into twelve? Because that doesn't tell you doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. So you want to give it meaning, and then I think that you're going to say put the six in the tenths place, and you're paying attention to place value. And so, if I have six tenths, where does the decimal go? And let them say. Oh, you move it straight up. Okay. So I can still go with, I mean, I can, we can still make this look like exactly what they did Mm -hmm. when they were modeling it. That's what I like about this. Okay. And then, so we finish that example and then we watch my video of how to do long division or do we go, where do I go next? I think you watched the video. I think that you did a good job teaching the algorithm and that's the part, that's where you are. I mean, you have taken them along and you have made your math class look different, but there is a place for direct instruction. And the beauty of watching the video that you've made, I do this every year, like I'll push pause because I feel like I have something to insert into my video. And then I push play and I say the exact same thing. (laughs) And I do that with your videos like, oh, Tracy's going to forget this. And I push pause and I say it. And, and then, then you repeat it. Say it again. Yeah. That's funny. Well, they um, probably need to hear it twice anyway. Well, yeah, yeah because it's obviously really good if Tracy yeah. and I are both going to say yeah. it. But I like showing my videos in class in a situation like this because I can walk around and have side conversations with students who should are, be listening to the video. Right. Who aren't active listening. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that. I am up there saying it and I know what I'm going to say. And then that allows me to walk around, even just standing beside them. Yeah. Helps them be engaged in what's going on up there. Okay. All right. Thank you for helping me write my lesson plans for today. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Now we can talk about I Love Math Day. You start. Okay. So I Love Math Day is a much smaller scale in school, but I think the thing that I'm most excited about are the challenges and we don't have a lot of time, but the challenge that I gave to my students was this is an eight by eight checkerboard. How many squares are on it? Yeah. And that was it. That was it. Like on your market set, go impress me. Mm. It did not happen. It doesn't look like a very impressed face. <laughs> yeah. And so I 
I just told him, I'm like, listen, I didn't do a good job of explaining what I wanted you to do. Mm -hmm. And some of you didn't know where to start. And so I've created, got pretty much gotten from Tracy, another problem (laughs) that is, has one answer. It's Mm -hmm. easier to solve. And I want to be impressed. I want you to turn in something that is, that you're excited about. And so the problem is that a photographer at school is photographing a group of kids and When he makes two rows, there's a kid left over. And when he makes three rows, there's a kid left over. Four rows and five rows. There's always one kid left over. Yeah. So, of course, I had a way I was going to solve it. And for me, you just eliminate all the even numbers. And I hadn't even figured out what the answer was. Mm -hmm. I just knew what I would do if I took the time to figure it out. Well, then I have Josiah in my class. And the problem's on the board. You get one day to solve it. The rest of it has to do at home. And he's just written 61 on his paper. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I don't even know what happened. How did you already do that? And he's not like showy or whatever. He's just like, I just know it. Yeah. Um, so then I have Thaxton who he brings me his paper Monday and he's like, Mrs. E, I've got it down to two numbers. And he had a vertical list. He had written He had, like, eliminated all the even numbers. He just knew that. But Mm -hmm. then he, instead of writing three, he wrote the multiples of three plus one. So he had a four, and then he had a seven. so cool. And then he had a ten. And he had gotten off, and he had a 21 in that row. Uh So he had two-digit, two numbers that were wrong. And he'd done the same thing with fours and fives. And so he brings me this paper, and he found out that 21 was in all four rows and 61. That's so cool. Was in all four rows. And he had these like curvy lines to show me. Yeah. And he said, it has to be one of these, but I don't know which one. Mm -hmm. And so we just checked his work and he's like, I should have written 22. Yeah. I should have written 22 and 25 and then it wouldn't show up. Missy, I got the answer. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. What a cool way to think about it on your own. And that's what I told him. I'm like, this is so amazing because Never, ever would have I thought about solving the problem this way, Mm -hmm. you know, and then another student is sitting there listening to me get all excited about Thaxon's paper. And he's like, Mrs. E, I really just don't know where to start. And I said, well, listen, I want you to think about it one more night. And if you really don't know where to start, I want you to come back to me in the morning and I'm going to show you I'm going to get you started. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be the way I think about it. And if you have a brain that works like Thaxton's, you're not going to like my way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um. And like, that's what this is all about is, and that's the kind of problem where you were saying was a meaty problem. Yeah. A problem that can be solved so many different ways. Yeah. But there is one answer at the end, which is also what open middle, like that's the definition of Fawn's open middle problem. Mm -hmm. We all start somewhere and we're all going to end somewhere, but the middle is really messy. Yeah. It's Um, also a great big class. Yes. Well, it's, it's the whole grade. The way, the way the problem's written, it's the whole grade. Um, the third grader that, that won the challenge in, in, at our school for this one, um, started by saying, um, I know it's not, I know it can't be an even number because then you wouldn't have somebody left over when you, when you have two rows. And then he said, when you, um, when you have five rows, it's going to be one more. I don't know that he used this language, but his idea was one more than a multiple of five. So he said, it's got, that means it's got to end in a one or a six because he knew multiples of five end in a zero or a five. And so then 
he said, then, but I know it can't end in a six because that would make it an even number. So then he had quickly, so fast, eliminated everything except for the numbers that had a one in the ones place. And so wow. then he went through and did some division with those problems. Okay, so one more. McKenna comes to me and she's so excited and she's like, Mrs. E, I've got it down to like five numbers, but I don't even know what to do. I don't even know how to check them, but I left it at home. So and I said, okay, well, can you tell me one of the numbers, you know, that's on there? And she's like, 11. It's not a very big number for a class, but it might be 11. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, let's divide 11 by two. How many are left? And she's like, one. She's so excited. <laughs> and then I said, well, what happens when you divide 11 by three? And she goes, oh, it's two. Missy, I know what to do. And oh, then off she runs. Yeah. So That's so good. Yeah. And and how, <clears throat> like, that practice of when a kid asks you a question, what's the least amount you can say to get them in the right direction, you know, is, is kind of what you're doing there. You know, right. asking a question. Um, and when just... you when you look at Jesus, who was the greatest teacher of all times, he always answered questions with a question. Mm-hmm. Like that was his, that was his model. Mm-hmm. He didn't just say, I don't know. I just ever think of the question where Jesus was said to Peter, well, who do they say that I am? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to know who I am? Well, who do they say that I am? And Peter was able to answer him. So, yeah. All right. Do we have a takeaway friend? Do you have a takeaway ready, Jay? No, he doesn't have a takeaway. I'm still getting, I'm still trying to, so my takeaway is the whole classroom discussion. I got to figure out how to make that happen mm-hmm. so that I'm not manipulating the whole entire conversation mm-hmm. because yeah. building community is really important. Yeah. Um, I think mine is don't be scared of the algorithm. Just go for it today and and it's going to be a couple of days of muddling through it, but we'll get through it on the other side and then they'll have – the understanding and the algorithm and their sixth grade teachers won't hate my guts because <laughs> they know it. <laughs> um, how about you? Did you have something else? No. Okay. All right. Well, I will, if your hip is better, I'll see you tomorrow on a run. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs>